Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click ratings and reviews. You can also follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugar sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link displayed on the app right now. My guest today is Luke Ashton. Luke is an ultra-marathoner who recently finished a 100-miler in 18 hours on a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet. Luke, it's great to have you on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. <clears throat> yeah, it's great to talk to you today, Luke. Um, tell me a little bit about your background and how you actually got into ultra-running. Um, well, I've always run for fitness, um, probably started about eight years ago um, with the gym, and then um, I started to build up the distance in 2009, um, and then was training for my first marathon in uh, 2010. Um, and I did marathons a couple for a few years, and it was just the last year, so 2012 last year, where um, I picked up the discs and I got a, I got a feel for the longer distances. Um, I started with a 40 mile as my first ultra, um, and then progressed to 50. Um, I did a few 50s, and then this year in March I I did my first 100, and then I just completed another. So it's just slowly progressed, um, and I've just um, become quite a natural love of uh, long-distance running. Mm -hmm. What is it about some of those longer distances that you enjoyed? I mean, a lot of people would think, isn't 26 miles enough? I mean, what do you get from going beyond 26 miles? Um, Well, to to start with, 26 was enough, Um, (laughs) and for most people it is. Um, But um, I I think something inside was like I kind of – I love the endurance side of it and um i i left it a year before i i I took i took on another marathon um but the training went so much better um i started to tap into my nutrition um and 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 start to feel a lot better with my fitness so the the year from then on was um a progression really so from the 26 onwards it was like well what's a couple more miles to 30 um in training and and I, i did it in training felt good and i thought actually I'm actually really enjoying the the whole the feeling of the endorphins, um, the the scenery that I see um, because I do a lot of off road, um, and then the yeah the, the the natural sort of high feeling of just um, pushing your body that much further. Um, and it, it just just feels it feels great for me. I mean, I embrace the pain, and we, you know, you go through some low moments and then some highs. But you, you always vision the finish and the end, and how you feel once you've completed, you know, these mm-hmm. these long races. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's something that I've really noticed about the longer races is that there's there's a certain high that you get from doing some of these longer uh, training runs and races that you don't get from the shorter stuff. It's it's really interesting how that happened after. Um, as I was training for my first marathon, I really started to enjoy that as well. Yeah, it's um, it's it's hard to explain unless you you know with unless you explain to another runner with the similar you know background maybe. Um, but you, you get the slight feeling with the 
the marathon but with marathon runners it's kind of you get to the point where you feel like you're breaking and then you just want it to end and you push <laughs> so hard to the finish whereas I find with the ultra distance um, you can step back that little bit um, you can just absorb your environment um, the, the the run the, the terrain everything you know the, the the nature around you and it's just you, you just feel it a lot more because it's a slightly slower pace mm-hmm. um, and you've you've got the day to do it you know depending on the actual distance um, and I find the actual the, the the feeling and the endorphins they come in slightly later but they last so much longer and they also last after the race as well mm-hmm. so it sounds like you hadn't run you started running about eight years ago um, what was it that initially got you kind of uh, interested in it um, well, I was because I was a quite. Um, it was in my sort of mid twenties that I, I really started to get fit. Um, I was never very fit when I was younger, and at, at school I went these sort of the other direction, maybe in the wrong groups and such. Um, and I, I just used to go out and party and just have too much fun drinking and stuff. And it, it was in my mid twenties I started to really listen to my body, thinking I, I I can't do this anymore. I just need to, you know, do other stuff and get fit. So the gym come first, um, and then I would use a cross trainer or the treadmill just as a means of um, fitness at the end of my weight sessions Um, and then the running outside came later and it wasn't until um, I started to do more and and, um, experience the outside that I started to prefer it to you know indoors um, and then it just progressed slowly over the coming years. Um, but the, the racing that started later, that wasn't until 2010, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of half marathons, a few marathons. Um, and then it wasn't till last year, the beginning of last year, I, I started to race every month. Um, and I, I got a little bit too keen, I think. And then a few injuries sort of came here and there, but um, I managed to get through them and really start to listen to my body. And that's when the, the nutrition just slowly started to change and got better okay so luke you're actually over in london what and you said you like to get outdoors on the trails a lot what are the trails like over there um well i'm the south coast so i'm a little little distance from london I, i'm by the, the the coast in brighton uh in sussex um so we're only about three and a half four miles from the nearest um sort of hilly trails um it's a place in south downs um and it, and it runs it runs all across the south the south of the the uk the southeast um so you, you can go anywhere from you know you could just do, go out and do a 15 mile or you could go out and do 30 or uh, a 25 mile distance you know it's your choice there's there's so much out down this way um so yeah training for me can be varied i can do the road on and off road as well mm-hmm. okay so you you also mentioned that you started to switch up your nutrition a little bit tell me about what you've been doing lately with the higher fat lower carb diet uh, yeah, I, I kind of tapped into um, the the Bulletproof coffees back in um, March this year, um, and I was eating sort of less less carbohydrates and less grains in particular, um, and I started to, uh, I did try the, the Fruitarian for a very brief period, although I found um, I, I suffered with stomach issues, so I knew that wasn't, that wasn't going to be for me, so it was in sort of August this year that I, I started started to follow the, the no sugar and no grain approach mm-hmm. which is um, obviously higher fat and it's quite low carbohydrate uh, so my carbohydrates come from uh, mainly vegetables and just uh, small amounts of fruit 
uh, if I do eat fruit, I always um, combine it with um, a fat sauce. So that could be cream or cheese, uh, creme fraiche, uh, or some kind of oil. Um, and yeah, it's really, it's really took off quite well. Um, it, it, the transition period was um, a little testing because I used to eat quite a lot of fruit. So um, I think with the, the lack of the GI sugar in my body, I, I went through a process where I had a few headaches um, and started to feel quite lethargic. And I was thinking, oh gosh, this, is this actually you know, the right thing to do? Is it going to pass? And um, with help from um, a group online on Facebook, um, people just said, no, just, you've got to ride for it it's just because of the the sugars that you're you're not consuming now um and soon enough within about a week i felt so much better and my energy level just just went you know so much higher through the roof really and in regards to running i just felt a lot more um sort of stable with my energy level um just to, to keep going rather than getting a dip that i would get if i had um any kind of um fruit sugar or uh, the the gels energy gels mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so when you said you're you're cutting out a lot of the grains and you're cutting back on fruits is are, are carbohydrates something that you specifically measure throughout your day or are you just kind of eyeballing it um i i've always um gone on gone on how i feel for hunger so i always listen to my hunger especially um with the racing as well but um i i don't measure anything or measure the amounts but um i know it's quite low the actual amounts but i won't deprive myself of um certain fruits if i have a taste of something i will have it but um if if i know it's high in the sugar then i would just have less the amount and because i'm having less um i find it sweeter now so i don't need so much as i would normally for the taste satisfaction mm-hmm. um so um, I still have fruit in my diet. It might only be one portion a day, but then some days I might have, you know, three small portions in a day. Um, but I try not to have it um, uh, when I first wake. That 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 wouldn't normally happen. It would come later in the day. Um, and I always find it helps as well before um, a gym session just to have some kind of fruit with um, some fats, just um, to give you that little bit um, extra energy, especially if you're you're lifting weights. Okay, interesting. You know, I, I heard you uh, on an interview with Vinny Tortorich, and you had told him that one of the reasons you went to this style of diet is because you were having some stomach issues. Um, talk yeah. to me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, well, I sort of went from, if you look at the past year, from summer last year, I went to a vegetarian, quite strict vegetarian, and then I went into sort of a vegan lifestyle. Um, I only sort of kind of managed for about three months. Um, I found that I was really missing something and I could see body changes especially getting really lean maybe too lean my my muscle mass was um was not as um noticeable as it was before on uh, just a regular diet and um I was a bit um unsure how how health-wise it was gonna do me you know any good so um I reintroduced um fish in the diet I had uh uh, sort of a back to vegetarian and then I'd eat the occasional fish, oily fish. Um, and then it was the beginning of this year that I started to read more about the uh, the no sugars and the no grain uh, way of eating. So from the summer, August this year is when um, it really, really took off and I've been quite strict following it um, ever since. Um, and, 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 and it's really helped within regards to the endurance in the racing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what, what did you, what did you hear about some of the benefits that, that you were going to see? And was, I mean, you said, you notice you're running, you have a lot more energy throughout the day. Are there, are there yeah. any other benefits that, you, that have come along with this diet? Yeah. Um, I feel I'm a lot more, a lot more focused than before. Um, cause the, the way I was eating before with, um, more high fruit in my diet and I used to eat a lot of dried fruit when I went out running, mm-hmm. thinking that that was the, the better fuel source. So I'd have nuts with like dried fruit, maybe apricots and, um, dates and not really realizing that they're actually quite high in uh, GI sugar. So, um, I think what swayed my decision was, um, I did a race in Florida that the Keys uh, 50 mile race and I really suffered uh, not only because of uh, the the humidity heat that I'm not used to because in the UK we get very wet and uh, not so hot weather um, but it was it was a consumption of uh, too much fruit sugar and it gave me really bad stomach distress um, cramping bloating and I just actually went completely off um, the food altogether and I was just craving um, you know just just salt salty water um, mm-hmm. and the salt capsules um, and that's that's what got me through to the finish but um, I really thought well actually maybe I need to really cut back and I heard Vinny on um, Rich Roll's podcast and I thought this is quite interesting and I and then I tapped into it and I thought he, you know it's not only fun and tame to listen to he's very very informative with the information provided mm-hmm. um, and then I thought I'm going to give this a shot so it started back in August um, and I haven't really looked back because um, I find my hunger levels are a lot less frequent whereas before every two hours to three hours I'd, I'd have to have food on me like I work long hours as well so I had to make sure I had enough food supplies with me that I could eat that was healthy um, mm-hmm. rather than having to go look for something and maybe just have that bit of chocolate or something so um, whereas now I, I find that I can go maybe four sometimes five hours and I'm not even hungry so I just listen to my hunger um, and just eat when needed mm-hmm. yeah that seems to be a, a constant theme that that i hear on this show with a lot of the guests is that when they switch over to a, a diet that has a little bit more fat they're not as hungry throughout the day and that's something that i found as well and that's that's just kind of a really nice feeling i used to have to pack snacks with me all the time and, and things yeah. like that i would just always be hungry but my hunger has gone down and it sounds like you've had that same thing happen to you yeah and um when i when i first started i, I was still eating because i was looking at the clock or I'd think oh it's been three hours I must have my snack so I'd end up eating something and then I'd I'd have a few bites and I'm like why am I eating this I'm not actually even hungry for this I I don't actually want it and I was sort of eating probably too much um, because I was trying to adapt as well to to include the fats and not go hungry in the worry that I may go hungry Um, but then within a few more weeks it passed and it's like well actually I I don't really need that snack Um, I can go longer periods and and the same happens with um, the running performance Um, as long as I've had something an hour to two hours previous um, when I go out running I can go two to three hours before I actually need to have any any type of fuel um, which is just a completely uh, new way of um, of running for me, and it's just it's just helped tremendously, especially with you know being an ultra runner. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what you eat on a typical day, and then maybe we could go into uh, what kind of foods you ate on that last 100 miler. Sure. Okay. Um, uh, I vary. Um, I very much vary the, the diet. It sort of switches each day, um, but I always like to include um, uh, lots of vegetables. 
um, as well as the, the fats as a base to the diet. Um, for instance, um, I mean, today I'd had like fried kale um, and I used uh, goose fat um, to, to fry the kale. Um, we've, we've got obviously Christmas coming up and over here we have turkey or goose for Christmas um, rather than like you guys have for Thanksgiving. So we, we can use goose fat. So I, I've used that to fry off the kale and some seasoning. And then I had a side of um, zucchini and some cauliflower rice. Um, I know some people would think oh, for breakfast that just sounds pretty pretty yuck, but um, it's actually it's what I have a taste for. So I'm got quite used to this way of eating. Um, so I, I had that today, and then I had that with coffee with cream. Um, and then uh, after my run today, I had um, an omelet, and I would use more yolk than the actual whites, um, some seasoning, and I had that with some um, bacon, um, a few bits of cheese in there, and then spinach. Um, and that, that's all for today. But um, I'd alternate uh, bulletproof coffee either with uh, the coconut oil or MCT oil, and that's with grass-fed butter. And um, I like to do that when working because my day starts at 4 a.m. So I tend to have that um, on waking. Um, I'm not always too hungry for it, so I take it in a flask with me in the car, and I just just have that on the drive to work. Um, and then that's I'm normally good for like four to five hours if I have one of those. Mm. Um, and then uh, the the next uh, snack really just to sort of like graze on something would probably be um, some berries with some cream or creme fraiche um, I, li- I really like the raw cacao that you get um, it's like the, you know the raw chocolate um, mm-hmm. I, I'd sprinkle some of that in and some spices uh, like cinnamon nutmeg uh, just to give it a bit more flavour um, then that, that would keep me going till lunch you know sort of late afternoon and that would normally be um, either um, a fish with um, some salad, lots of olive oil, um, a, a boiled eggs maybe in there, olives in there, um, or I may do some chickpeas in a stew with roasted vegetables, um, and I'd finish with some cheese on the side. Um, it, it really does vary. Um, I, I've got got back into eating um, meat again, but just in small amounts. It's not every day. Um, okay. But I, I found with um, the no sugar, no grain, and although I have fish, oily fish, it just it just meant that it was a, something was missing still, and I had a taste for um, the meat again. So I, I still have that in small amounts, just not every day. Um, so, so dinner may 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 be some some kind of meat um, with uh, salads or or vegetables, and um, I do like my olive oil. I always put you know cook uh, have stuff in olive oil, and um, normally finish with some sort of cheese. Um, if I'm going to have fruit, I can have that with cheese or cream. Uh, it, it just varies each day. Um, as long as it's the plate looks bright, colourful, I can cook it. It's you know just um, experiments. It's been quite a journey. Mm-hmm. So you said your day typically starts at four a.m. What what do you do for a living? Um, I, I'm a security officer at the airport up here. It's about twenty twenty five miles from where I live um, at Gatwick. So um, I do shift work and we work twelve hour shifts. So if I if I if I'm leaving for work, I'm up at four. So I tend to have something um, substantial just because I'm not sure when my next break will be. Um, it depends on the operation. Um, so it could be uh, 
another five to six hours before I actually get a breakfast break. So I tend to just um, take take what I need with me. But I found since I've changed, I'm packing a lot less um, food supplies than I would usually. Usually my bag would be weighed down with snacks and dinner <laughs> because I was worried I'd just get so hungry. Whereas whereas now it's like, well, if I'm, you know, I've just got some fruit and cream and then um, dinner's just a salad. Um, I know I've got a, a small box of nuts or seeds mix that will just see me through because it's very rare that I'm that hungry I need it you know it's just the hunger levels are um, few and far between on this way of eating okay so let's talk a little bit about your training it's uh, you you started out saying that you you've dealt with some injuries and you started listening to your body more Mm -hmm. tell me about your training and kind of how you fit that in with your 12-hour shift uh, work it's it's a juggle it really is it's, you know it's it's, it's not easy um i i won't uh, do any gym sessions um when i'm when i'm on shift on 12 hour days um but i'd come home and do a very short run in the evening just down the seafront so that would just be a minimum of two miles maybe up to four or five maximum um and i normally try to get get to bed an early night after i've had something to eat so on work days um it's only very short runs and I, I used to run every day. I was doing a run streak uh, that ended in the summer because I had a, a ligament ankle injury. So I now sort of save the running to every other day or I skip two days and do cross training instead. Um, so gym would be on rest days and it's normally two to three times a week. Um, strengthening um, core work. Uh, I do the stepper and the cross trainer. And um, I like to go out on the bike as well. Um, depends on the weather, though, because we, we, we're on the coast. We get high winds sometimes and quite uh, harsh rain. So um, it's not a practical time of year to, to go out on a race bike. But um, that would happen more in uh, you know the, the, the better weather. And uh, the, the longer runs, they will happen on my, my days off, um, depending on the week and what races are coming up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people thinking about a hundred miler might be thinking, well, this guy must be running every day and putting in tons and tons of miles, but it sounds like you're running about every other day and yeah. kind of fitting it in around your schedule and, and doing some cross training. So, mm-hmm. um, how does that work? I mean, how many miles a week are you actually running? Um, well, up to the race, um, I didn't quite get to my key target, um, as much as the first attempt. Um, but I, i I managed to get to about 73 miles maximum in the week mm-hmm. and that was three weeks out before the race and then then I scaled back and the week before was a complete taper it was just about I think I did three miles that was it before the race um, so I would do back-to-back long runs on days off so that may be uh, a 20-25 um, I won't go over 35 um, in training I find that it's just um, I'm not sure if it's what I've read that it's a good choice or I, I just worry that is pushing myself that bit too far um, I know I could go further but it's also the time it takes as well because obviously it's time on feet you know you, you're looking at um, you know five and a half six hours maybe even longer to to, to to reach that distance so I look at how many hours I've spent in the week um, so up to to a hundred mile distance race I, I try to get to um, the next one I do I'd like to get to about 85 uh, miles in the week um, 
um, but I'd, I'd make sure that two of those are back-to-back running days, um, you know, next to each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah. do you include speed training? Um, I did too back um, uh, in spring this year, sort of because I had a couple of road marathons. But um, with the ultra races coming in between marathons, it was really hard to to do both, and you, you just can't physically do both. It's either go out long in a zone two training and get your endurance and stamina and time on feet, or um, you concentrate on the speed, and then the distance maybe come becomes less. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the moment, it's been more um, of the the, the long, longer range distances, and then um, if I feel if I feel strong enough, then yeah, I do a couple of intervals, some tempo runs, um, and a little bit of speed training, but nothing like as a marathon training schedule. Um, I'm going to save that for uh, sort of spring um, or you know late winter next year because um, I've had quite a lot of races, so uh, it, it really does vary the the schedule. Otherwise, um, you, you just I just just can't myself do both and i think that's probably what um uh maybe aggravated my my injuries um doing the combination of two it, it just it wasn't good for me so i'm really listening more to the body now i've got the nutrition right and it works for me so the uh the speed training can come later um later in the winter mm-hmm. and luke mm. you've you've actually in the past year i think you've done something like 12 ultra marathons is that right yeah um <laughs> if you're looking back to july uh last summer so 2012 was my first um ever ultra so since then to now i've done 12 12 ultra marathons and um the end of the month i have my 20th marathon that started back in 2010 so yeah quite a lot of racing i'm, go- I'm gonna take uh, take it back a little now and just concentrate on my longer distances because that's that's really where, where my heart is mm-hmm. okay yeah. so um what are you shooting for in that marathon that you have coming up uh we'll see i mean if i'm i feel pretty much halfway recovered i mean i i did my longest uh eight eight miles since the race today and um come come the marathon on the 22nd of this month that will be uh just uh over three weeks since the ultra so <laughs> it really it really does depend how my legs feel i mean i'm very conditioned and i recover quickly um it's quite amazing how quickly i recovered from this race um compared to the last one the last hundred miles miles um i think within about five days my legs started to feel pretty much back to back to normal i just felt like i'd done a very heavy leg session down the gym mm-hmm. um and so incorporated more stretching and i, I really think you know the the, the the extra vegetables and the nutrient dense foods that i'm now eating and the higher fat has really helped especially with my joints as well i feel that it's um it's cut is coming tuned better to to my conditioning and full recovery um so we'll see how i how i feel if if i'm really feeling it and i want to race I, I i might push a bit but i'm not going to really really push flat out because um it's just not worth worth the actual um risk of uh, getting any injuries if if my body's not fully fully 100 percent recovered Right. And, you know, yeah. we talked a little bit about what you eat on a daily basis, but how about during that 100 miler? Uh, uh-huh. what, did you, what did you eat? And then what are you going to eat during this upcoming marathon? 
Um, well, typical any any race, I make sure I have the the fat coffee, like the bulletproof. So it's uh, the butter, the coconut oil, um, and then the organic ground coffee. So I'd mix that up, um, have that first thing. Um, usually an avocado um, and maybe a wheatgrass shot of some sort, and uh, I dilute coconut water down with water, so it's not too much GI sugar, and just um, sip on that until the race start. And then I'm normally good for about a good two and a half to three hours before I have any fuel so it would be um, seed seed mix uh, sort of pumpkin pine nuts uh, sunflower seeds um, or nuts uh, macadamia is really good for me and Brazil nuts pecans um, I normally bring olives with me um, and I have a bottle of olive oil as well I just sip that um, as I go um, cheese is quite good uh, what else that's pretty much it. And I, oh, and I like my chai seeds as well. I tend to make a, a little mixture of, of that with added salt um, and espresso and um, some coconut oil and just shake it up. And I, I normally have that after I've done about 30, 30 miles or so just as a little kick. Um, and then I, I make sure I try and drink coffee with cream. Um, that's normally from my crew because you won't get cream at any checkpoints. So um, it really helps to have you know a crew with supplies for those little little bits that you can't can't get your, you know from the aid tents. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're taking olive oil. You're taking uh, chia seeds. Now, how do you how do you do the chia seeds? Is it in a flask or what? Um, I have um, sort of various little small, very small size bottles that I, I use. Um, they're about a 100 ml container bottle. Um, I would uh, soak the, the chia seeds in some coconut water. Um, and then I'd probably add um, some raw, raw chocolate, the raw cacao uh, powder in there. And then I'd pour an espresso over and then dilute with um, some more water. And then either MCT oil or the coconut oil. Um, I'd only use coconut oil in the summer months, the warmer months, because uh, in the cold it's going to go glumpy and uh, solid. So it would be an MCT oil in the winter months. Uh, just shake that up, and that would that would just be with my crew. So I could just uh, gulp that down when when needed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, during the race, it's it sounds like you really listen to your body as far as what you feel like you need to eat. Is there any yeah. point where you feel like, okay, I need some fruit now, or I need some starch? carbohydrates how are you feeling during that um i used to back sort of probably in the springtime i used to sort of rely on you know some sort of carbohydrates thinking um the dried fruit was my good source of carbohydrates um which you know it's not a bad thing but i can't consume that much of it because of the the fruit sugar content um so so back then i was just having you know a trickle of that here and there but it was just still too much so now i would just stick to the real fruit um so that could be um some orange wedges uh, watermelon um i will save banana probably until very much in the later stages of the race because um that's a really quick sugar for me and i i'm not used to the banana anymore so i'd have that much later in the race and um yeah just small amounts i mean i i found i find that my body is responding very well with just um a little bit of sugar from the fruit and and, and i don't have any form of uh, carbohydrate at all and come to think of it the actual hundred i didn't didn't have any except the, the fruit so um it worked for me and um I, I did try some dark chocolate at the very very end of the race um i only had about sort of five miles left to go and by then you know your legs 
had done in mm-hmm. my head I've finished already so I really don't think it gave me that lift although it tasted good it just uh, it I don't think it really gave me any any boost um, I was just ready to finish by then um, but I find I don't get any crash because I'm not having the the actual you know frequent sugar or carbohydrates to spike my glycogen so my my energy levels are quite constant and I just make sure when you as soon as you feel that slight hunger just have a little something and it just you keeps the, the body firing um and you you just keep the energy level um stable throughout the whole race mm-hmm. and at the beginning you mentioned that when you were on the vegetarian or vegan style diet you're mm-hmm. you were getting a little bit too skinny what has your weight been like on the no sugar no grains type diet uh, it has improved because I, I, uh, I don't tend to weigh myself. I don't have any scale. So um, you can tend to feel when you've put pounds on or lost any. Um, mm. And I can tell by the mirror. So um, I feel like uh, my my muscle mass is slightly more fuller on this way of eating. Um, and although I'm still very lean, I, I'm not as skinny as I was. And I can tell very much in the face. I'm not as um, gaunt looking as I was when I, when I went vegan. I, I just looked too skinny, especially my arms as well um because i still do the weights and it was like it wasn't really you know gaining anywhere um although i'm an ultra runner i'm very lean anyway it's very hard for me to pack on the mass and i don't want to pack on too much because it will make me heavier um so i can afford to add a little bit for a race but then usually once i've done especially a long hundred miler um within after that weekend those extra pounds they've just come straight off anyway um but i found that i I added actually to be honest uh, a few extra pounds um, eating this way um but because the way i'm eating is i can go longer periods without i think that's uh then the, the main reason why it's you know added slightly extra um some days i may have too much fat in the diet and i think okay that that, that feels like it was a bit too much maybe so the next day um it would be more of a, a fasting day where i wouldn't eat so much and um i just just always eat to to whenever i feel hungry Okay. Okay. And uh, have you gotten into the minimal running shoes? What kind of shoes are you wearing during the the 100 milers? Uh, yeah, I, I can't because of the injuries and that. Uh, a few years back, um, I had a knee injury and I, I was um, actually completely had to stop running altogether. So I got so frustrated on what what um, what ways to sort of heal and just not run at all. I got quite depressed not running. So I looked at other ways of um, conditioning and retraining and, and I went to the minimal approach and I just kicked off the shoes and I, I started the barefoot running and I just had to do uh, very low uh, distance. So I was just running minimal minutes rather than mileage um on grass till i was adapted and and that was a very long process that took about a good six to nine months till i was actually um fully there so i can only really run barefoot about eight eight miles maximum so i have a very neutral shoe um i can still run in shoes now which i do and i did for the hundred i ran in sort of a trail shoe but it's a zero drop uh, uh, neutral shoe and I, I tend to like to have a little bit of extra protection especially for these these longer distances because with a barefoot shoe it will um you're going to feel every rock um every you know tree stump and um on on road as well even if if you've gone over 50 miles you, you know you, your feet are going to feel everything and it's just going to be really sensitive so you you know you, you want to have that little bit more protection so i always tend to use the shoes for these really long distances um but but in the in the warmer months um i'm i'm known to wear these running sandals the lunar 
Um, and I really love them because you don't get any black toenails, you don't get any blisters, and they feel great. And it's a sort of a freedom of the running. You know, your, your feet feel very free. Um, and with those, they have quite a good added protection as well. They're not as barefoot as people may think. Um, then they're not like the Vibram, you know, five fingers. They're very low profile, and there's hardly any protection mm-hmm. on those. And I've got plenty of those, but I, I can't go long distance in them. They'd just be for um, the fun of, you know, shorter distances. Right, right. Mm. So you found that the sandals, the I think they're are they the Luna sandals? Yeah, Luna sandals. Yeah, they have enough protection for some of those long distances. Yeah, um, I mean the longest I've I've run in a pair of those was um, Hadrian's Wall, which was seventy miles, um, okay. and, and I I'd managed that distance in those. So that's the longest I've ever run um, in a sandal. Mm-hmm. Um, but with those, um, there's various styles they have, and some have um, a better sort of trail grip than others. Um, the standard Leadville model um, is very much a road, a road dry weather um, shoe, uh, sorry, sandal. So the grip on um, the other models, there's I think the the Mono and the Ono, they're um, they're more of a trail a trail sandal. Um, but the ones I have um, aren't quite so good in wet, and we get a lot of wet here, so um, the shoes will come back on for something like that but now it's got very cold um so i'm back in uh trail shoes they're just a very neutral uh low profile gotcha and mm-hmm. luke you've got some great uh photos on your instagram feed and yeah. i was i'm wondering do you take those with your iphone when you're running or what kind of camera are you are you using yeah yeah it's all uh, the iphone 5 um yeah, I don't go anywhere without it, and um, it has my run keeper on as well, so people can track me on a race um, with the help of a backup battery. Uh, but yeah, when I when I'm out running, I'm always taking pictures or something because I see some you know quite quite good landscapes and sights, especially sunsets. Uh, so yeah, I'm always snapping away on the the iPhone. Um, I'm probably going to get one of those added lenses. Um, Sony do this lens that uh, clips on to the camera and it improves the uh, the actual um, pixel and quality and it has a zoom feature as well so I shall be probably using one of those shortly um, to sort of yeah enhance my pictures because um, I've got quite a knack with um, taking my pictures now mm-hmm. and yeah. what do you do to keep your iPhone uh, free from sweat and all that um, well it's uh, with the, the sort of the liner jackets I wear it's okay in the actual pockets because they're lined um, and it, it tends to be okay um, when it's going to get really cold though I have one of those um, uh, waterproof pouches that I put around my neck um, and it just sits under the jacket in one of those um, and that seems to, to do the trick um, but at the moment it's not quite cold enough just for that so I'm making do with just the uh, pockets of the jacket seems to be seems to be fine gotcha mm. well Luke it's been great talking with you do you have any final tips for someone who wants to give this a try as far as you know changing their diet or even trying the minimal shoes um, yeah, just just experiment um, with regards to the nutrition and the diet. Um, I, I always find um, anyone who asks me because I, I tend not to to tell people about it unless they ask. A lot of people <laughs> will find out or know anyway, especially work colleagues. I say just make one or two changes to start with. Never do the whole, you know, go down the whole road because you you never stick to it or follow it unless you you're very in tune with your nutrition already. Um, so I find anyone new to it should just um, take small steps with. 
um, maybe remove the sugar first um, and then try try taking out the grain and um, just be uh, experimenting with uh, different recipes and vegetables and um, there's a lot you can do with vegetables you know making like cauliflower rice um, zucchini bakes um, you know there's some amazing sites on the internet you know with recipes to be creative you know just get creative um, and then regards to shoes um, and minimal um, if you're used to a, a higher profile trainer it's always best to to maybe gradually go um, slightly slightly less with the drop rather than completely barefoot shoe because um, the dramatic change would um, would probably cause some type of distress or injury especially on the ankles or somewhere um, on the, the sort of footbed if you're not adapted to it so you have to really really tread carefully and start very slow um, very low mileage to begin with and maybe progress in a, a, a more neutral shoe to start with and keep the old shoes um, for your longer runs until you've transitioned um, slowly and just built it up more gradually and then eventually uh, you could just uh, use the neutral shoes once you've um, adapted over to them. Gotcha. And Luke, where can people go to find out more about you? I, I'd really like it if you let everyone know your Instagram feed because those are just some great pictures that you've got on there. Sure. Um, yeah, it's um, Ashton378 on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and it's got my blog page on there as well, the link as well. So people can uh, read my race reports um, and nutrition page on there as well. Great, great. Ashton378, both on uh, Twitter and Instagram, people. It's been great talking with you, Luke. Uh, thanks so much for being part of the show. Yeah, and uh, keep it up. It's a great show. I've just started listening. And um, yeah, keep up the good work. And uh, f- thanks, for, thanks for calling. You've been listening to another Paleo Runner podcast. If you like podcasts, you're also going to like Audible.com. Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Kindle, Android, or MP3 player. If you'd like to get a free audiobook download, go to audibletrial.com slash paleorunner or click on the link displayed on the app right now. Thanks for listening.